Okay, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Rasulillah. MashaAllah, that was uh, extremely electrifying. It's great to be with all of you. Uh, certainly, you know, young people teach us how to live again, man. So it's invigorating, Alhamdulillah, uh, to be with you. And I'm very happy that you came. So let's, let's talk about if we can just share, because I think this is important for me to learn as well. Like, what are the most important questions around Dawah, those two that I ask? anyone would like to share what what's there for you what showed up when I asked that question right the internal need to understand something and then at the same time being able to project the needs around me so dawah like oftentimes and this is something to think about when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to the Prophet he orders the Prophet first right then his family then the community we tend to think of dawah as being something strictly projected, right? But there's also the dhikr for ourselves. So the first question was like, what's important to you? What questions on your mind that you may be grappling with? And then second, what's the important question that your immediate environment may be either through pressure or genuine uh, interest is asking you? Who's going to set us off? Nobody? Can you repeat the question? Yeah, remember yeah. the two things I asked, like what's important to you and what's important to your environment. So da'wah to yourself and da'wah to people around you, Miriam. Yeah. So you can just give one, like something that people ask you a lot or something that you may have thought about a lot that you need to know an answer to. Okay, um, what I think about a lot is my parents because I'm from Pakistan and they, op they often... Um, <laughs> They confuse a religion with culture. Right. So I grew up thinking a lot of cultural things were religious and a lot of religious things were cultural. So at this point in my life, I'm trying to convince, like, I was raised, I went to an Islamic school where it was all about religion. So, like, at this point in my life, I'm trying to convince them a lot of the things that is in our culture isn't Islamic. So I think that's like an internal struggle that I have because I, of course, in Islam, we have to respect our parents 100%. Right. So I don't know how to put that without low-key being disrespectful <laughs> right how do you find the balance yeah. between uh, authentic religious practices yeah. and cultural delusion yeah. and also sometimes what happens is people go so fast that they think oh my culture is completely not religion and then they go so fast that they wipe out aspects of their traditional culture which are really rooted yeah. and founded in religion that balance is tough how many of you struggle with that the issue of culture and religion yeah, see, as a convert, that's something that I struggle with, maybe in a different way. Um, but I, I, no one was framing Christian Oklahoma culture as Islamic. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have to deal with that aspect of it. Awesome. Thank you, Miriam. That was wonderful. Who else? I'm external thing, too. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> um, basically, in like, my classes, when they bring up Islam, and I have answers to their questions, but I get so embarrassed or like shy to answer, even though I know what the answers are, I know what Sharia law is, I know a lot of like, I know what jihad is itself, but like to them it's like holy war, so I don't know, I don't answer the questions just because I get like shy, and then I, and I feel guilty because I know this is my job as a Muslim to educate everyone else. I mean, being vulnerable, like, thank you for being vulnerable, as though, like, um, how many of you struggle sometimes with the confidence to speak the truth? It, it can, it, it, it's there, right? It, it's there, right? Um, even some of us raise our hands kind of like this. Some of us raise their, like, I mean, that's just, and we need to create safe space for, like, we need to talk about Muslim love, right? We need to 
bring the sense of a loving community so that we can be like vulnerable in the way that we address our vulnerabilities. So like, thank you for like set, framing that. And like the first question, whew, just killing, marrying me. You gotta be from Brooklyn, right? Yeah. I know it. All right, who else? This is a safe space, inshallah. I don't know who else is in the room, but I really, I really need you to share in order to like be able to serve you. Um, when we talk about education, religious education, often in the Muslim community, we commit a great offense that it's only a one-way street, sheikh or teacher or myself like a student just talking, whereas we should, there should be a period of intake, right, so that we learn from, from you, and then we're better able to serve you. Yes? Um, Can you say your name? I'm sorry. Um, my name is Asma. Asma, mashallah. Yeah, how does that feel? How does it feel to have someone just call you out like that because yeah. your hijab is low? What does low mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's I got daughters, so I ask her about it. But like, I'm just trying to understand it, right? So when that happens, you've been. This is a man? This is a man saying this to you? Why is he all up in how you look? <laughs> a lot of shit yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also creepy. Yeah. Like so so what 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 would be something that would work? Like I'm not saying what I, I honestly don't think jeans are an issue. Uh, and I don't think it's my business how you dress personally, but like what would be an effective way for someone to say approach someone who like not this, like someone's doing something really wrong. I don't think calling them out is effective. Like you said, like you said, like I felt it, like it's humiliating. I'm sorry, you know, that you experienced that. Yes, your name, sorry. Fatima. Fatima, mashallah. I was just going to add to that. I think um, an internal struggle I have as well is um, not trusting the people I should trust within my community. Right. Like growing up, I just never had any, I didn't have a strong relationship with the the shiuch or the, the Islamic like leaders in the community because I felt like their advice came from a place of pride and not a place of love. And whenever what does I, that mean? It came from a place of pride instead of a place of love. That's powerful. It's Goodness always like, gracious. <laughs> it's no, always man, like, that's, that's real. Like, don't wear jeans because my daughter doesn't wear jeans and my daughter does it the right way. Or it's like, um, I don't listen to music. Why are you listening to music? It always places the burden of a person displaying their religion. 
how much they love Islam or how much of a Muslim they are on that person and just limiting them to that sin, even though mm -hmm. that person themselves may not view it as a sin, like listening to music. Um, a lot of people, when they try to give up advice about music, it's always like, haram, astaghfirullah, what are you doing? And it's always like, I, I don't want to be around this or I don't want to be in this area. And it's like, nobody ever wants to listen to that person. Like maybe they have a different opinion about it. So I always felt like I felt constrained to what other people had to say about me rather than being given a safe space. And on the comment about like Shiu commenting about what women dress, that's kind of what I felt was always a subject of Dabo when it, when I was a subject of that, it's always how you dress, how you carry yourself. Um, in a weird way, it was very like hypersexual. Like, are you dressed to like? It's objectifying. Men? I mean, yeah. it can be objectifying, right? Yes, it reduces really a person's religious value to how they look. Sorry. Exactly, and it's like, it's never oh, other subjects. It's always about like all the lectures about women or how to be a good wife or how to not dress a certain way. Mm. There's like nothing else, and then for men, there's like. So much for them to explore, and for us, it's sometimes it feels limiting. Or even sometimes, and I'm I'm not saying this to uh, to reduce what you're. Doing. Sometimes young men are just ignored in the community, it's right? True. So you find a lot of young guys. Brothers can chime in, like just not even connected to the community. Like they're they're just given a free license. One sheikh I went to school with, he said, "We love our boys, we raise our daughters." That's a mistake, right? What he meant is we should love and raise both. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, there's so much freedom that you talk to some young Muslim men and they just feel like neglected. Um, anyone else? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to chime in on the neglect part. Uh, As a young man. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to the Muslim men. Um, specifically, like, you know, obviously the, the issue on the sister's side 100% exists. And conversely, on the brother's side, when it comes to specifically Muslim young men, not only are they neglected, sometimes they're even like driven away from the message. Instead, they're like, "Why well, the message isn't for you?" Like it's how are they driven away from? Why would someone drive someone away from a message? Basically, like to them, the, the the mindset is like, "Oh well, you know, it's when you get old, right? For now, like go live your life." Um, I mean, how does this didn't happen in my? What do you mean, like become religious when you get old? Yeah. Oh. Basically, go 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 sow your oats. Yeah, but work on your career now. Work on your money now. Uh, have fun now. That's kind of like the message with a lot of um, families. Sometimes it didn't happen with me, but a lot of people I know it just happened to. And it's definitely a big problem when it comes with brothers because they end up really focusing on their careers or having fun or, you know, doing whatever the hell they're doing and they do it without purpose or direction. Mm. And that's like, it's a huge problem. That's a lonely place to be too, when you live yeah. in a life without purpose. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, can be, that can be a challenge. Mashallah, man, this is gold. Like, this is really gold. Um, you guys are the volunteers? You guys are awesome, man. Thank you so much. Mashallah. I mean, alhamdulillah, it's not easy. As you get older, you realize time, you know, time is, is really important. Anyone else um, want to share before we get into some of the theoretical, maybe, optics of, of thinking about dawah? These are really, I'm, I'm grateful, you don't know me, you know what I mean? Like, I'm very grateful, like, like I felt your pain, man. You know, I smile when you said what you said. Yes, sir. Um, Sorry, your name? Aman. Aman, mashallah. I kind of wanted to chime off of uh, what Miriam was saying earlier, about uh, how the aspect of culture and also religion really intertwines in a lot of uh, different backgrounds. So, uh, personally for me, I'm Bangladeshi, so. Okay. A lot of, uh, like, I've seen it happen with my brother who married off, who's uh, married to a 
someone that's not from our background personally. She was uh, a different uh, ethnicity. And uh, with our, well, with most Desi cultures, they don't like it when you go outside of your own, you know, your okay. own group. So uh, they don't like it if you marry someone even out of your own city, for instance. Okay. Right. So uh, it's it's really a hard road for me personally because right now also I'm struggling with giving dawah to someone that I'm in a relationship with, which I want to make it a that's beautiful. Relationship. Well, that's a beautiful thing, though. And it's beautiful, though. Like, if you can marry, you know, and settle down with the person that shares your religious passion, that's like, that's like dope. That's great. You know, well, uh, she's, not a, she's not a Muslim yet. But yeah, I mean, I'm saying, but if she... If, I'm with you. Like, yeah, right. Beautiful, man. May Allah make it easy for you. So, uh, I know it's a, like, I've seen my brother go through that road, and that path where it was a lot of struggles for him, but I also wanted to say that it really helps if you have people of your generation younger ones supporting you where like we all supported my brother and all the you know older people with traditional mentality they came and they you know they try to you know stigmatize whatever it was or you know attack him in a certain sense you know we we'd be the ones that would you know come and back him up and I'm hoping you know the same thing happens for me you know where my brothers is a big family for us where they would come and they would you know support me in a sense where when that time comes that you know she's not a Muslim as of yet but uh where they would support her to get to the path, right. to get on the straight path. So uh, I just wanted to say that you know maybe the best you know solution to where you're coming from is also support from the younger generation, because I've kind of you know been through my brother's side and I'm going through it right now, and um, I'm hoping you know the same thing goes steadily with us you know as well. But uh, support, support is the biggest thing. And this is where you know what I was always able to do is gauge how familiar the institution and religious leadership is with the community by the du'as they make in Juma. Like, have you ever heard someone in Juma say, oh Allah, help people that may be in a relationship with a non-Muslim to be a means of guiding that person to the truth? They're like, you would get a big I mean if you said that. <laughs> you know? Or help people that have like body shaming issues. Help people that go through eating disorders. Like help people that have, like who have lost family. Like one time, um, uh, there was an imam in my old city that I lived in, in in California, and this is where I learned this from. And he was like, "Oh Allah, bless the parents of converts." And this lady just started crying. This older white lady. So she came up to him afterwards, and she was like, "I've been Muslim for thirty-seven years. And I've never had anyone pray for my parents." You know what I mean? So like, may Allah make it easy for you, man, and for Asma, and for Maryam, and for everyone. So what we'll do is we're going to spend a few weeks together, inshallah. Um, and I want to kind of frame this in a few ways. Number one is, like, what are the kind of intellectual raw materials needed for da'wah? Right? What are those intellectual raw materials? Then number two is, and you touched on it, uh, Ammar, right? Ammar. Ammar. That what are the, also the emotional and psychological needs of da'wah? Like having a strong supporting cast. Right, not people that verify when I do something wrong, but like people that are there to help me, like your brother, when I'm trying to do something right. Um, so today we'll introduce the kind of intellectual, cognitive, if you will, raw materials, and then over the few weeks we'll break those down and then go into some of the psychological, like self-care. Like someone should, you've seen sometimes people in Dawa, like they're mad, right? They're angry. <laughs> and you ask them like, yo, have you tried yoga? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you do CrossFit? Like, like, are you are you engaged in any type of like? Are you 
engaged in self-care? Do you eat clean? 